Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. From Transport Topics in Washington, D.C., this is Road Signs. And now here's your host, Michael Fries. Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. In this episode, we'll talk about a subject that's a constant buzz within the industry, and that is electric vehicles, more specifically, the infrastructure surrounding it. There's been so much discussion about the arrival of EVs, but there hasn't been much space to talk about what the future holds going forward. As the shine of electrification wears, there are many questions yet to be answered. So for this episode, We'll ask just one. What will the future of EV recharging infrastructure look like? To answer that question, we'd like to introduce to Road Signs, Jason Gies, Vice President, E-Mobility Business Development for Navistar. Welcome to the show, Jason. Hey, Mike. Thanks. Uh, it's great to be on today. Glad to have you on. It's always nice to have the OEMs on. So, so <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, like I was mentioning, you know, electric vehicles have been quiet talk with the industry and it's just we really centered on the arrival of them and just kind of how that impact will be in the in the industry but once we dive deeper into that it's it's more you know, we get into more about you know the the maintenance of it and just kind of what that particular infrastructure will will look like uh, and just i know you you've probably talked to many uh you know shippers and warehouses concerning recharging infrastructure and one of the main reasons why i wanted to have you on the show was to just kind of uh you know pick your brain a little bit just about those discussions when when um you know a, a warehouse um wants to implement uh, such a recharging infrastructure to, to, to help out the carriers. So I, I just want, I just want to ask you just from the beginning, what are the most uh, challenging issues when it, when it comes to that and, and what would be the first steps? Yeah. Yeah. Mike, no, that's a great question. So we, we, <laughs> the, the, the fun part about this is, and, and, and everybody cringes when I say this, the answer usually it depends um, when, we, when we meet with customers Every site's different. Every duty cycle's different. Every recharge cycle's usually different. Now, we are seeing some commonality from different customer bases to different customer bases that work in that same type of duty cycle. So, But a lot of the customers we're delivering trucks to today are pickup and delivery and, and really vehicles that go home at night. Right. So your your charging infrastructure is pretty set with that behind the fence fleet style style charging. But to drive bigger adoption is where the challenges start to come in. And that's where we're seeing a lot of the questions is where do I charge if I have to do a route that's outside of the range limits of the vehicle? And we are working as Navistar in in a lot of different ways. we're working with some of our partners on some pre-planning things in the future that um, we've had our loves partnership. We're having conversations with them on what do they see from a charging infrastructure and, and other folks that are that do on on road fueling today. Um, we're also having a lot of conversations 
with different shipping companies and, and, and locations, um, warehousing, uh, to see what they're doing from a charging perspective. And then, and then, and then lastly, we're, we're also working very closely with our government relations team on how are we going to push some of these funds that are coming out for even passenger cars to make them accessible to, uh, to trucks, even just medium duty. So you can fit them in there and charge on those, um, I would say non, uh, non-set routes and, and, or emergency type of situations. The current charging that's out there today for passenger cars is being challenged even in that space for, it's really set up for the small Chevy Bolt, Tesla type cars. Uh, even a gentleman or, or folks uh, driving a Ford uh, F-150 Lightning towing a trailer or uh, a, a new Rivian towing a trailer, they can't fit in there to charge today. So it's really a size thing. So helping drive better decision-making um, from a policy perspective and an execution perspective has is, is, is been our focus. You know, one of the things, Jason, that you, you brought up was just concerning, you know, the government aspect of things. You know, as, as you're quite aware, when it comes to electric vehicles, the, the passenger side is, is uh, coming along a, a little bit more than the, the commercial side of things. I mean, is, is that, I mean, you brought the, you know, just your government team. Is, is, is that a point of frustration for you guys? No, I think it's a good thing because we all have to be working together on it, right? And 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 what we're seeing is, is even the passenger car charging is is weak at best right now. There's it, you hear complaints if you're on Twitter and you follow anything EV at this point. You hear complaints during any kind of a holiday weekend, and and this is this can be anybody. I mean, Tesla has the most robust network out there today, and even folks with Teslas are sitting waiting for multiple minutes, even hours for, for charging today. The charging systems are inadequate for the amount of vehicles that are coming in. So we have to, as, as if, if we want to see electrification in this country and in North America, we have to work together on it. You know, that's, that's the common thread that I'm hearing when, when I, when I speak to folks like you about uh, EVs is this, that, that, that commonality of, of working together. And it's just kind of comes down to, you know, actually, you know, putting your hands, and on the battery or wherever the electric component is to to that um, to that particular piece going along the challenges involved when it comes to building infrastructure you know one thing that I've, that I've heard uh, just in, in talking with folks is, is, is the downtime involved and, I mean you touched upon that with just kind of the the, the lengthy charge times and you know with that it kind of causes a ripple effect with you know just the dis- disruption of an already clogged supply chain <laughs> um, so when, when, when fleets uh, come to you with that um, concern. How do you address that? Yeah, and that, and that goes back to the my initial point is, is it depends. So we have, of course, de- deployed school buses through our IC bus brand. We've been deploying our medium duty trucks. And again, a lot of those sit overnight, so we can have a slower charge cycle for those. But some of our customers say, hey, I want to run 100 miles in the morning. I want to come back, have a lunch and get back out. We are making sure we're right-sizing the charging equipment to give that uh, let's say 20 to 90% charge in about an hour. So we can do that today um, with our current equipment. Now, as we plan for the future, um, we don't have, we have big batteries on these things, um, 200, 300 kilowatt hour batteries. Once we start getting into that 600 plus kilowatt hour battery on our tractor products, you, you're going to see significant amount of charging. So making sure that we plan our vehicle roadmap to accept 
a uh, high, higher power charge, and then also making sure we're right-sizing our customers' equipment. And again, our customers will charge at their locations, but we also have to make sure the public charging equipment that's being uh, specified through the government programs uh, are correct for the future. Penske never stops moving forward, monitoring every mile driven, every wrench turned, and every shipment delivered. Penske gains unique insight on managing the most challenging transportation demands. That includes identifying and fixing hidden stress points in supply chains and commercial fleets before they become a problem. Visit GoPenske.com to see how Penske's practical innovation and customized solutions can help you not just adapt, but gain ground at every turn. You know, one of the things I'm glad you touched upon that, you know, because I wanted to ask you about just the, the whole process of, of, of building that that um, EV infrastructure for you know, be, be it a shipper or a warehouse. And, and one of the things is, is really coordinating with the, the, the utility uh, facilities, utility companies. Um, you know, and, and just uh, like I said, just just in, in, in researching and, and, and reading about it. You know, there's there seems to be a lot of unknown when it comes to that, especially for uh, you know, a fleet or just a warehouse getting into that particular space. I mean, what do you tell your partners about dealing with the, uh, the utility companies in such a big uh, undertaking? So, and you you touched on this earlier. Start early, as early as possible. So when we're having early, the very first meetings we have with customers that we're talking about our EV products, the next step after that is to start engaging. Um, and, and we're helping with that. We have team members um, and partners that will go out and start engaging with the power companies and just asking the right questions. How much power is in the area? How much power is coming into that facility? Is there is there the ability to do that? We've um, I was talking to one of our dealers just this week. He's in a I wouldn't say a rural area. He's in Texas, um, a little ways out of one of the major cities there, and they cannot get enough power to their location and there's no plan to do it. So we are already looking at alternative methods to get him power and 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 um, battery storage and pieces like that to make, make it successful that he can charge quick. So again, every site's a little different, but our goal is start early, as early as possible. I mean, you know, so, I mean, it, it, that's the, that's the common thing that I'm seeing right now with, you know, just kind of, you know, number one, starting early, but also, you know, as you said, you know, it, it, it depends. Every situation is particularly different. I guess since every situation is, is, is pretty much different, what are some of the, the, the common themes that you've seen in, in dealing with um, these unique, unique circumstances when it comes to EV infrastructure? Um, I think most of our customers are starting fairly small at this point. I think, I think, Charging as a whole is a little overplayed right now. Most of our customers are willing to have a, a, a dwell time on their vehicles. And, and that's a fairly easy installation for the most part. Most buildings can take um, a, a five, maybe 10 um, low, lower power DC units. Once you get over that hurdle, you know, it becomes a, diff, a more difficult process. Um, other than that, one of the things that I found that's probably most interesting in this is Every power company is a little different. Um, it, and and what, some of the themes I'm finding is, is a lot of the power companies are like, we're all in on this because they see it as a new revenue stream for them. Um, 
But on occasion, which has been surprising, is you'll find a power company that won't even want to touch this. And it's like, I don't understand how they don't want the additional revenue and to push this forward. So, but for the most part is if you reach out and, and have the right, if you touch the right people at the power companies, they're all in to help and, and make this a success. Okay. So when, when you do uh, contact those power companies that are a little bit apprehensive, what's the, what's, what's the takeaway that you get from that for, for their apprehension? I, you know what, this is what we're trying to figure out. And it's, it, the, the funny thing is, is we, what we found, and, and I'll, I'll pick out a, I'll give you another real world example. We're, we're doing a fairly large install at one of our, our, our dealers up here in the Midwest right now. And we reached out to the power company and we know them pretty well. And, and they said, no, we're not really interested in doing this. It's going to be a two year project. And, and we're like, that makes absolutely no sense. This is going to be a substantial power draw in that area. And it wasn't a big tear up for them. The power was there. That was not like they were going to have to run major lines there. Well, after just, after finding out, we weren't just, we weren't talking to the right people. We had to take it to a different group inside of the power company that works on more of a business development side and is looking into these types of things. Once we hit that group, all in, let's go do it. So one of the recommendations I have for folks is if you hit a wall, uh, keep asking because I, you you might not be talking to the right folks. You know, just getting in touch with the right person that seems to be the key with everything in this industry. Yes. <laughs> it, just, is, it is kind of knowing you know it, it's not you know it, it's who you know it's who you it's know who you know. <laughs> you know, Jason. Uh, you know, one of the things and uh, just kind of keeping in that certain vibe right now. Um, you know, I, I kind of want to uh, ask you to put your analyst hat on, and and. Um, and, you know, there's there's a report, a recent report in the Wall Street Journal, uh, when when it comes to EV infrastructure, that more warehouses and and some manufacturers are starting to invest in, in the infrastructure, just as a as a uh, almost a marketing tool for for fleets uh, who who want to be more green, go into electric. Um, you know, from your perspective, um, it, that that's kind of that, that kind of resembles a almost a, a, a shift in, in the industry and in, in the sense of you know, when, when you're looking at it like a, maybe a, a diesel, a diesel vehicle, you know, you go to the gas station, you, you, you fill up and, and you have that where this, um, it's almost akin to charging your cell phone. And, and it's kind of to the point, the kind of to the point of where do I go and uh, where will be the, where will be the spot where we will get our charge and, um, and, and how will that make sense from a business standpoint? So you know, from your perspective, how, how, could that, or or is there something else that could change the logistics landscape in the future concerning that? Or, or how do you see it? Yeah, so I see a couple things here. Is I think the pendulum is going to swing really far um, at, at some point here, and you're going to. I think the cell phone is a great, great or a great uh, analogy. You're going to see a lot of folks trying charging in a lot of different locations. You'll see them at traditional fueling locations. You'll see them at uh, distribution centers. You'll see it behind the fence and. I think what you'll start seeing is themes of what makes real sense here and, and where charging is. And I think as batteries get better, as charging equipment gets faster, you'll start seeing that thin out. So I think that's number one. Number two is I think um, uh, as as customers start to see the financial benefits of going to an electrified system on their vehicles, um, and, and from maintenance and, and a fueling and cost perspective, 
you're going to start seeing a lot more innovation in this space. So um, we've done a lot of analysis inside uh, our walls at Navistar. And, and if you look at some of the best use cases for electrification, it's on over the road long haul trucking because of the utilization. They use the majority of the fuel out there in this space today. So what we believe you'll start seeing a lot more charging in a lot more locations to make it work even though the drivers might have more downtime they are going to it, it won't be cost effective to go any other direction so um again i think you're going to see charging in a lot of places i think distribution centers is going to be a huge area um, we'll see focus on well that's good to see the the future in your eyes concerning uh, ev infrastructure uh, you know one more chance all right one more question for I, I get you out of here. Uh, just maybe the, the, I guess, an extension and a follow-up to to that uh, previous question is just, uh, you know, when when you say that DCs are going to be the the, the, the centerpiece, I mean, that, that in your opinion, um, you know, how far do you think that's going to take? Is that going to be like the next five years, next ten years or so? So, so not to get too far into the weeds. I mean, everyone's working on one megawatt charging. One megawatt charging is the is where we need to be to make on-highway vehicles work, especially in North America. You have to have quick charge times, so less than less than 40 minutes. So once that's deployed, you, you'll start seeing a much more adoption. Now, timing on that, uh, you, you've seen some announcements recently in Europe with some of our sister brands, MAN and Scania, have both shown um, actual charging on one megawatt in the last few weeks. That's great. That's just the beginning. From from my crystal ball, I think it's a 27 to 30 when you'll start seeing some real adoption on it. And then vehicles that can actually accept it. I think there's a lot of work we have to do both on the vehicle side, um, the charger manufacturer side, uh, to make it uh, any kind of scale adoption. We've been speaking with Jason Geese, Vice President of E-Mobility Business Development for Navistar. Jason, it was a pleasure having you on. Thanks for making us smarter. Learned a lot about EV infrastructure and just the challenges ahead. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, Mike. It was a, it was a wonderful time. Penske never stops moving forward, monitoring every mile driven, every wrench turned, and every shipment delivered. Penske gains unique insight on managing the most challenging transportation demands. That includes identifying and fixing hidden stress points in supply chains and commercial fleets before they become a problem. Visit GoPenske.com to see how Penske's practical innovation and customized solutions can help you not just adapt, but gain ground at every turn. Before we close, Let's take a moment to revisit our original question. What will the future of EV recharging infrastructure look like? As our guest, Jason Geese, simply stated, it depends. Every fleet and warehouse is different, but that's where the uniqueness ends. The important consideration for implementing infrastructure is properly addressing the need for it. And in order to do that, Geese noted, is to start early. Aside from constructing infrastructure, the process takes many stages, as Geese mentioned such as consulting utility services, establishing charging stations, connecting with OEM and other partners, as well as conserving energy. Although this has much promise, the success of an electric fleet still boils down to the simple human factor of buying in. 
The industry's intended goal is to reach bigger adoption rates for trucking companies and their partners. How those pieces fall into place and where the demand and supply will come from remains to be seen. Once again, watch this space. If you enjoyed this episode of Road Signs, please let others know. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. If my questions have sparked questions of your own, share them with the Road Signs team. Or reach me on Twitter at Michael V. Freeze. You can email us at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. And of course, we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of Road Signs. Until then, I'm Michael Freeze. Thank you for listening. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.